All right, everybody, welcome to the Bonner Breakdown. It is so good to be with you today. Today is episode number 25. I'm here with Aaron Banal and Dr. Stacy Good. Um, and we are going to start off today's program saying thank you, of course, to Bonner Community Housing Agency, our sponsor, as well as Ting, who's done an awesome job um, helping us with um, getting this show off the ground. So we say thank you so much to those local partnerships that we're able to develop. And uh, we want to... Uh, say hello and welcome to uh, Aaron Banal and Dr. Stacy Good. Hi, guys. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Awesome. You know, I, I find it interesting that I have amazing um, Zoom call, no disruption in video or audio until I go live. And the minute I go live, uh, so you might see my facial expression not move every once in a while. Uh, while we're on the podcast, just know that I'm I'm here. I'm listening. <laughs> Even if you don't uh, see my face moving, I'll try and fix that as soon as I can. Um, so we start off every program with what we call the good report. And uh, I am very interested in hearing from you, Dr. Uh, Dr. Good. What is your good report? Um, so as far as kind of my my background my history or well no let's just start off do you have any anything super positive or a highlight that you would say hey this is a great thing that's been happening recently that you would want to um just say hey this is something super positive going on yeah we have a total of four cases in bonner county and so the stay at home and flattening cur the curve has worked yeah we come on no community spread so that's um what everyone has done has been effective, which is probably the best news that anyone could ask for right now. Awesome, awesome. How about for you, Erin? What do you What do you got? Uh, we live in Bonner County, uh, total population of forty four thousand seven hundred and twenty seven people as of two thousand nineteen, mm -hmm. and an amazing, generous community. I might right. add the outpour yeah. of support for all of us healthcare workers has been significant, and um, that's just really kept us going and kept us positive during you know such unknown times. Well, that's that's awesome. You know, I was um, I was looking at the the uh, recent shipment. Uh, my good report, just something I wanted to highlight, was the shipment of ventilators from Percussion Air down to Sacramento. Uh, you know, down and so I just thought that was great that uh, uh, Ader uh, or however you say that Quest. Now it's hate. Do you know how to say it, Hater? Nope. I just I saw it in not. the paper. I'm like, ah, uh, but they, uh, you know, shipping those um, ventilators down to um, that they built up here and then shipped down. I just thought that was great. What a good partnership uh, for local business to be uh, helping out in areas where it's needed. So that's uh, really good. Um, so, Aaron, I originally had had wanted you uh, to come on uh, back with Justin and Justin's been on the show. Um, and he had a good report as well. So we always just say cheers, cheers to the good report. Awesome. Uh, cheers, Ting. Let's give it a little thing there. I know you guys would have to pull masks down to take the sip, but it always feels good to do a cheers every once in a while. And we like doing it when it's a good, positive thing. And four cases in Bonner County is kind of mind-blowing to me. You know, especially when you look just south of us, they've had a lot of cases, um, you know, in Kootenai County. And so uh, what a what a great positive, positive report. 
Um, so let's transition from the good report into kind of more of the actual meat of the show here. Um, so Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and background and uh, history here with Bonner General? I uh, began working in the community development department in January of 2017. Um, Community-based healthcare is really important, especially in rural healthcare communities. Mm-hmm. My role, um, my I oversee marketing, uh, communications, community development, so outreach and partnerships within our community, and then mm-hmm. also work with our foundation, which is raises money specific to Bonner General Health. My main focus is on our health disparities that's identified through our community health needs assessment and then implementing programs, identifying resources that can really make a true impact. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, Now, where were you originally from? You came here in, in 2017. Were you already living here when you started working for Bonner General? I did, yes. Okay. I worked for Kinixu Health Services for okay. 12 years, which is another wonderful um, healthcare entity in our community. Mm-hmm. And um, before that, I worked for a nonprofit hospital an hour south of Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I've really grown up in healthcare since I was yeah. a kid. No, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, so since you came on with um, Bonner General, um, what's been some big changes that you've seen at the hospital? Not just the recent, obviously, but but mm-hmm. what, what's what's been some of the big transitions? Because it seems like it's been growing pretty rapidly. Well, we've um, enhanced services. We opened up ear, nose and throat. Um, we will be opening up an ophthalmology clinic. Um, But I think what's most important uh, in in my perspective that has been a change is we've been a true um, partner. Instead of just writing checks of sponsorship, we're actually um, in the community um, implementing programs. I've uh, worked really hard with community partners implementing a suicide prevention program oh, that's over the last three years, um, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and it, that's been really successful. It's disseminated throughout the entire sixth grade um, at Lake Pondere School District. I've oh been teaching classes at um, LPO High School, which has been incredible. Those kids oh, are amazing. Unfortunately, my last class got cut short, uh-huh. but um, I think being, you know, really the health hub of healthcare and um, the true foundation uh, for our community is, has evolved and, and yeah. improved in the last few years. Oh, that's, that's, that's really good. And, and what a, what a dramatic shift um, uh, that I've noticed just even in adding the new building several years ago. Um, expanding a lot of the services, um, things has been really good, especially in a small community, um, to have, um, that many services available, um, right here has been really, really wonderful. Uh, Yeah. Um, I think, um, the level of care that we provide within our, our hospital speaks volumes and that's what makes it really easy for my role, um, as mm -hmm. working in the foundation to get donations and supporters, Uh but also, um, to be out promoting who we are because it's really, um, and, and when I say care, I say care from caring for your hospital room, our environmental services, our right. lab, our ED, our dietary, like the, the whole care perspective. 
That's so good. My wife and I had our had our uh, daughter uh, almost eight years ago um, here, and it was one of the most. It was such a pleasant, wonderful experience. The entire everybody was amazing, um, and and I've never heard a bad uh, report. Uh, for anybody who's had any major needs and, and gone to Bonner General, um, especially recently, it's been amazing. So um, you guys are doing a great job there. Well, I want to introduce uh, Dr. Stacy Good. Uh, Stacy, how are you doing today? Good. It's beautiful outside. So yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. It's really nice. And, um, um, you know, I read your bio is pretty pretty amazing experience that you have. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, what you're doing up here in beautiful North Idaho. Uh, yeah, originally from Wisconsin, go Petco. Um, <laughs> and I uh, went to college, <laughs> played division one soccer in Wisconsin, and then um, went to med school yeah, out in the Midwest and then ended up um, on an army scholarship out in Tacoma at Joint Base Lewis McCord. Uh-huh. Uh, so did my emergency medicine training out there, met uh-huh. my husband, cool. told myself I wouldn't marry another doctor and I wouldn't marry someone in the military and I wouldn't take his last name and all those things came true. <laughs> and um, then I did a, a emergency ultrasound fellowship out there and we, the army took us down to El Paso, Texas um, and through a convoluted number of events, um, we ended up back here, one of our good friends, um, their parents on a marina in Bayview, which is kind of what introduced us to the area. Okay. And my husband met an ER doc in the middle of nowhere, Afghanistan, who was one wow. of the founding members of the Lake Ponder Emergency Medicine Group. So oh, that's cool. Uh, we've been out here about three and a half years. Wow. And have two little boys and both husband and I are ER docs and we're, we're loving loving every part of it that's awesome and and i'm so glad that you uh guys for whatever reason found your way up here uh it's i'm always amazed at where people come from and land in this beautiful area you know i mean we we know that the the landscape is gorgeous the lake is amazing the mountains are great um and it and it it just does something to people when they get up here that they go, oh, I think I want to stay, you know, and uh, and that's great because I'm sure that you and your husband could probably pick a lot of different places to go, but you chose to come to Sandpoint. So we're, we're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Yeah, we want, you know, we love the mountains. We love the lake, but we also really were interested in a small town feel. Um, uh-huh. And Sandpoint has kind of all those things to offer and then becoming, you know, uh, working with the hospital, it's kind of come to, I guess, full circle is kind of why we're here. So, right. Right. And so you both are, you and your husband both work in the ER and, um, what's the, before COVID-19 hit, what was kind of your feel pace? Uh, was it always super busy in the ER or was it just kind of, um, you know, kind of a mellow pace? Uh, it's a good question. Um, you know, I would, I would preempt that with what I thought was going to be kind of rural emergency medicine before moving here and what actually was, uh, it's busy. Uh, okay. There are a lot of sick people that don't come in until they're really sick. Mm. Um, a lot of people that work really hard in um, blue collar jobs that don't wanna come in until their arm is so broken that they can't wow. work anymore. 
And we do have, it's a smaller ER, so the logistics mm -hmm. of the ER make it seem a little bit busier than it is at times, but um, I, it's, it's a busy place and it's single coverage. Um, also in the summertime with the tourists and kind of the snowbird population, our census in the ER goes up dramatically and it becomes oh, very busy. Yeah. Well, you, you never know what you're going to get when you come into a shift. I, I bet. I bet. You know, the um, uh, challenge, you know, for us here is that our population triples, you know, in the summer. It goes from 40 some thousand to 120,000 for three and a half months. You know, it's a pretty pretty wild dynamic to have. And I think, you know, that obviously stresses the infrastructure of the hospital and the ER and everything else that's, you know, not necessarily built for 120,000 uh, people here. So yeah, it's pretty wild, pretty big seasonal difference. Yeah, big seasonal difference, especially musculoskeletal injuries um, <clears throat> in the summertime. Fortunately, we have a great relationship with Kootenai. So especially trauma, Absence mm -hmm. that happen in the water, absence that involve alcohol. Um, we have, you know, um, good relationship with them, and we also have. We only have one doctor working at a time, but we have a pretty tight knit group of partners. That if it does get overwhelmed, there's almost always someone available to come in and help, which is a pretty unique situation. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, well, we're in the middle of a. Um, global slowing down of everything um, with the stay at home, um, or, you know, stay at home order um, where we know that, um, um, you know, Governor Little, you know, said, hey, uh, we want everybody to stay at home. I know Bonner General began preparing uh, right away with the exterior tent and some other things for people who might uh, be um, infected with COVID-19. Can you guys give us just a, a basic update on kind of what that process was like um, when everything kind of started, how the ball got rolling, and then kind of the steps that you guys originally took, um, and then kind of how that's played out since? Um, well, February 27th, the CDC uh, put out the recommendation for all health cares to initiate incident command. Um, Bonner General Health uh, did that immediately. Mm -hmm. So on February 27th, we started um, meeting weekly at that point, because at that point, there were no known cases in the un United States, theoretically. Right. And um, so <laughs> since then, uh, we... You know, we met once a week that lasted for two weeks, barely and taking a look at, okay, what do we need to do in order to, um, you know, protect the well-being and health of our staff, our patients, our community members. And, mm -hmm. and once we started um, meeting, we re realized we needed to start meeting weekly. We um, did soft visitor closures uh, to start off with. We um, then eliminated or put on hold all of our elective surgeries. Okay. Um, we condensed all of our um, specialty care. So um, specific to our ear, nose and throat right now is not seeing patients. We postponed the opening of our ophthalmology clinic. Okay. Um, any of our performance therapy services, Sandpoint Women's Health, those services, wow. it's very limited. Yeah, um, wow. So, you know, I, I think it's, important too that people realize that 
healthcare industries have taken a huge hit drastically too. 80% of our revenue is generated by our outpatient services. And so we, as much as anybody want to get things back and going, but unfortunately also really know the importance of this stay at home until it needs to Mm -hmm. be stay at home and it's safe, um, you know, and really uh, relying on CDC and Panhandle Health guidelines to uh, open that back up. So we're continuing to review that and um, evaluate that. We meet every morning at nine o'clock via phone. So we have a conference line. We're not face-to-face right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of checking in to see where we're at, where the number's at. Um, testing, uh, I really do want to give a shout out to our lab. It's Lab Week right now. And okay. um, we were the first um, hospital, North Idaho hospital in the panhandle to do rapid testing that it hit off before so any of our other um, region one hospitals. So I'm incredibly proud of yeah. them. And That's they're awesome. working on our validating for antibody testing, the IgG testing, which is also mm-hmm. significant. Um, so I'm um, that's kind of on the administrative side perspective. I'll let Stacy speak sure. to the medical. That'd be great. Probably around the same time, I would say early March, our, there's a group of, there's seven of us, um, one of them, a group of emergency medicine doctors. And we sat down and said, hey, what do we need to do? Because if this hits here um, in the current situation we're in, we're in trouble. And so we met daily, I think for a week. And then it was kind of every other day, um, going over, you know, different people having different jobs, how we're going to do the testing, who, how we're going to change the logistics of the emergency department. So we have negative pressure rooms. We have rooms that we can wall off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sick people. How do we get ambulances into these rooms? And how do we keep the people that need to be in there for other things safe from those potentially sick people? So that kind of started, um, kind of start steamrolling all these different um, kind of avenues and paths to make the ER uh, more functional, which is also kind of when a second tent went up in front of the ER and we had, we have a decontamination trailer for all of our PPE. And then that um, also instigated the donning and doffing protocols and making sure all of our nurses and providers in the hospital knew how to do that and do it accurately. I mean, you can see that in Idaho, over 200 healthcare workers have been infected. So we didn't take that lightly knowing that, I mean, in our ER group, we have seven docs, two of which come from the same family. So I feel personally invested um, that we need to be doing doing this right. So uh, anyway, so incident command uh, in the hospital really kind of took a lot of our recommendations and concerns to heart. And I think that started a really good communication pathway with us. Oh, that's good. And admin, and um, now I think we're at the point where if if we do get busy and we do get a lot of cases, then we're going to be a heck of a lot more prepared than we were right. you know, a month ago. So um, as far as, you know, the testing early on, and I kind of want to speak to the four cases that we have in, sure, in the panhandle. Sure. Early on, we had very low tests, just like everyone. And we were turning people away left and right. There were very bad symptoms, not sick enough to need to be at the hospital, but 
um, we were unable to swab them because we had to save those few tests for patients that we were admitting. So yes, we only had four cases and have four cases, but there were patients that me and my husband even saw in January and February that had this pneumonia that was different than anything we'd seen that didn't look bacterial on x-ray. And looking back, like it was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just didn't know what it was back then. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you in that. It was likely, likely here. I'm very uh, interested in the antibody testing uh, because it'll be very good to know like how many, how many of us actually already had it, mm-hmm. you know, um, my wife and I traveled to Ohio, um, in the beginning of February and we went through Seattle and this is right after, um, this is when, you know, 40,000 Americans are being repatriated from China from Trump closing the border down at the end of January. So there's this slew. So Seattle's a major port there. And so we're going through there. We were super nervous, keeping our distance. And we go to Ohio, come back. We're, you know, come through Seattle. It was a super long day. We come back and, and I just got sicker with the sickest thing that I've experienced in a long time with my chest and, you know, stuff for that whole following week you know, a little, like almost 10 days, you know? So it was like, and look, now we're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that was, you know, like we don't, we don't know. So I think it's interesting that you're saying, hey, we probably already have had some of this stuff going around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking to the antibiotic tests, it'll be a game changer when we get it. I mean, especially for us as healthcare workers, I want to see if I was either A exposed or B at a mild case, because I know I'm at high risk to be a vector and for how long mm-hmm. am I going to be isolated? I mean, this isn't going to end anytime soon. We can talk about that down the road, but yeah, no, yeah, we'll get there for sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I'm, I agree with all everything that you guys are saying. I, um, I think antibody is going to be a game changer um, for uh-huh. us and, and, and it'll help answer a lot of our community's questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, to me, I, I feel like it's very easy to get lost in the information. There is so much varying and countering, it seems like at least, um, information out there about um, uh, what's happening, what's not happening, what reality is. Um, so when you look at, you know, where we are at today, you know, we've had four cases. Were any of those four hospitalized? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, and I can say to one of them, uh-huh. did not have the social distancing. Um, it would it would be all of our all over our community. A very mm-hmm. active, um, individual, uh, family person. So, yep. Okay. So, the effect the effect essentially is that social distancing has had the positive impact that we were hoping for by everybody kind of staying, staying low and that we haven't had a huge uh, number of cases here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we look at the current situation where we're at now, um, 
uh, obviously we're still at a stay at home order here and we'll see what ends up happening at the end of the week or beginning of next week um, with, you know, this kind of, you know, this concept of reopening America a little bit. Uh, I know the governor's um, talked a little bit about kind of what he'd like to see happen and where he thinks we're at. What do you what do you see for where we're at right now? Um, yeah, so this is, of course, my opinion. Um, yeah, I think we've done a great job at flattening the curve. We are not going to eradicate this disease. Right. Um, however, I think that we have done everything we can do in the community to keep these cases at bay. Because you look at it and you're like, when someone's first exposed, you've got at least two weeks incubation, maybe even more before they start having symptoms. So now we've essentially gone through a month of not having a lot of cases. So we've done a good job. We are now at the point where we can handle more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an outbreak is still gonna like quite honestly destroy us. But the reality is, is there's also a tipping point where we have to open things back up and we can't shut things down indefinitely because the the cost to people in our economy is just, is going to be as severe. So I think we are very close mm-hmm. to opening things up. And I okay. think that when we do it, it has to be done in a stepwise manner. It's mm-hmm. not going to be all for nothing. Like we're just going to let everything go. Right. I think it has to be uh, done very carefully. That yeah. being said, we haven't had the tourism here that we're going to get in the summer. And That's right. I personally expect that we are going to get an absolute cases in the second half of the summer. My estimate would be after um, after the 4th of July, we're going to start getting more and more cases here. And, mm-hmm. and the whole point of flattening the curve was not to eradicate it. It was to allow the healthcare system to catch up when we do have an increase in cases. Right. And between Region 1 and all the hospitals around here, there there's a good plan in place for that that surge of patients and I personally feel more prepared for it. I still am very anxious about it and will yeah. be uh, because until we get a vaccine, this this is still going to be an issue. And yep. the other part of that, Chris, is that this hasn't really been talked about. We're the second most unvaccinated county in the country. So even when we get a vaccine, who's going to get it? And so that puts us in the healthcare industry like in a hard spot. So, mm. um, and it's going to put us in a u- wow. unique situation up here. So, you know, there's there's a lot within that. Um, but kind of the short answer is, I think that we need to start opening things up, and we're not going to stop tourism. We're not going to stop snowbirds uh, coming. We just have to be really yeah. smart in how we go about doing it. Yeah, it was interesting on um, uh, Friday last week. I saw more Washington plates than I had seen in months around town i i work right downtown and i saw uh two people you know busting through stop signs you know like these people who just are, are on i'm like oh you have not been here you know like you you are from out of town <laughs> you know, i was like but wow. our economy relies on that too it totally does you yeah. know so and, mm-hmm. so we we need yeah. them here to an extent and yep. closing closing like state parks and stuff in other states it's just going to bring them here so it's not necessarily well, been, you know we're for us we're geographically closer to Portland and Seattle than we are to Boise. Yep. You know, and I think people forget that, like we're actually physically closer. And I think, um, 
you know, uh, Portland just shut down all of its parks, all of its outdoor recreation, everything across the board. Like if you're a mountain biker and you live near Portland, you can't go anywhere near Portland to mountain bike. Right. So I, I just feel like some of this, some of this stuff is definitely going to be um, pushing people our direction at a pretty high level. There's my awesome frozen face again for you guys. You love that. Um, so, um, you know, one of the reality. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something to remember is it's really increasing depression and anxiety and those mental health issues. And right. Most states and in our country, it's a national um, issue anyway. And you know, in our community, we're already at capacity for um, behavioral health services. Right. Our Absolutely. mental health therapists are, um, I, we saw a spike just in our behavioral health services over the last month since March 16th of a 17%. Wow. And, um, you know, and we're providing that on telehealth and that's, um, you know, right. Can you say that again? I didn't quite hear that. Uh, we've seen an increase in mental health patients in the ER. Okay. Suicidal ideations attempts. Wow. Hmm. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about something that you said, um, Stacy, was that we can't prevent this from spreading in the sense of long term. Like we flatten the curve, but there's we're going to have to deal with this here locally. Um, you know, obviously we want it to be as minimized as possible, but people are going to have to get back to work. They're going to have to do that. You talked about the incremental steps. I read through the, um, you know, kind of all the proposals that have been out there from the White House and and um, different things as, as far as what they're proposing in their phases of reopening. Um, what are some things that all of us should keep in mind when we look at um, this reopening process and personal responsibility. What do you, what do you, what are some, some things you could maybe speak to about that? Um, so I think continuing to wear masks in the public. Um, I, I'm seeing that in some places, not in others. I don't like to do it. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. one easy one. Um, staying in smaller groups. I mean, that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. Right. There. And I guess in, as far as our businesses, probably going to have to limit like how many people are in a store at a time mm -hmm. restaurants. I think a good answer is, you know, roping off every other booth, um, roping off some of the parking and putting outdoor seating. Yeah. Uh, those things will help kind of keep people distance, but still within a community setting. Uh, the hard ones are going to be, are going to be churches. The hard mm -hmm. ones are going to be the um, salons. Um, I think there are ways to do that that are going to be creative. Um, and I think there's already people working on those things, but those are mm -hmm. kind of the big things that, that I think of. And from the ER, um, part of the reason we have that tent sitting out there is that we were just talking about the influx in the summer. We get a lot of lacerations, broken bones, injuries. So if we can, part of one of those tents we want to have is like an outdoor ER, essentially, okay. where those sort of patients don't have to be in the ER, where they're at a little higher risk. Um, because we all know that COVID can, can sit around in an environment for a long time. So if we can take care of those people out in an open air area, then it's going to decrease their risk of being exposed and transmitting the virus in the emergency room setting. That's great. Excuse me. 
Okay. Well, I, I, I wonder also, you know, about, um, you mentioned wearing masks in public and you said, ah, I don't really like to do it either, but it's something that, that we need to do. Um, where I, I guess, you know, cloth masks, any type of mask, you know, whatever is going to be more beneficial than not. Is that because it used to be don't do masks, you know, masks, you know, and I don't know if that was just a supply issue. You know, I, it I seems like there's right. been some back some back and forth about what that's supposed to be. Um, but it seems like where we're at today, you know, I'm not a big fan of trying to rewrite history and what we knew when and how we knew it, because that just never <laughs> it never ends well when we try to go back and figure that out because there'll be a time for that down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, right now, like, let's focus on what we need to do. So you think uh, wearing masks is a primary thing, maintaining social distancing um, personally, as far as what individuals can do. Um, what about um, when we talk about recreation and um, hitting the trails getting outside, getting on the lake in some states, that's completely banned. Um, so, you know, being that we're such an outdoor state, um, do you see, have you heard anything about negative impacts of, of being outdoors and, and doing that kind of stuff? Don't, that's my short answer. I think we need to be on the lake. We need to be on trails. Uh, what Aaron just said, as far as mental health, that is, that is so, that's, that's so huge. And, the risk is going to be smaller there than anywhere else so yeah get out on the lake get your boats out i don't i personally um don't think that those things should be closed and especially in our community i mean that's (laughs) i I can't imagine going through a summer and not being able to be out on pondere and just in mind the smaller groups and Mm -hmm. you know that we can still do all those things in social distance and um, that's, that's right. going to be really yeah. important. I yeah. think the biggest thing to take away is I, my fear is that there are people that are going to think, let's just lift everything. Everything's going to go back to normal. Um, I don't think anything will ever be normal after this. Yeah. And I think the healthcare industry is going to be different after this. And I also think our society and community will be different. That doesn't mean it has to be negative. Right. It's just going to be, yep. it's going to have to be. Yep. Well, um, I get really excited um, when as a region or as a country, we face um, certain types of challenges because usually the best ideas come to the top. Um, The best innovations start to happen. You see technology shift. You see things move in a way that actually makes our lives better um, because of the tension around this. You know, I I could... um, um, you know, see there being some massive innovations happening in in the um, healthcare world that allow for the safety and continued growth and continued allowing services and some of that stuff because it's going to have to be different, right? So mm-hmm. hopefully we're open to some change, you know, yeah. instead of just mm-hmm. saying no, this is the way we do it. It's always got to be this way. Do you see any big changes like that coming around the corner for you guys there at Bonner at Bonner Health? Just kind of waiting to see what happens. Yeah, I think right now, Chris, we're in the middle of this. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of think outside of that because mm. that's it's so taxing. Mm. Uh, I can't speak for Aaron, but it seems like it's kind of as we're in the middle of. Yeah, I think that for all of us, you know, um, every day where my day was focused on 
community, which it still is, but now it's COVID-19 in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, getting that education out there, um, working with our partners uh, regionally, making sure we're all working together and all on the same page, giving out mm-hmm. the same message. Yep. Um, but how I do, swabs yeah, how many swabs we have, how many tests, um, and, and making sure that we're continuing to communicate, just like you said in the beginning of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I send out a email Monday through Friday of where we're at test-wise. Um, our community providers have been incredible in support okay. and communication. Um, we have an ethics committee, a patient plan committee, a patient placement committee. We have community physicians on some of those committees. We have okay. some B doctor on some of those committees so that um, we also have phase one, two, and three if there's a surge. Um, so, you know, we're just rolling with what we got, really. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you look at um, the needs that you guys have there at Bonner General, uh, you look at uh, what can the community, what what is the community doing and how can the community, community support Bonner General Health in this season? Um, I think, uh, my one supplies are always good where, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's again, a shortage. We've had an outpour of masks, yeah. gowns, um, hats, cloth masks have been significant. Um, our dental provider community has, um, provided so many gloves and disposable, um, gowns, all, right. all, all of those things. Um, you know, we're having to really uh, strategically plan on, you know, our different phases too with shutting down a lot of services. It's, it's hit us wow. significantly hard. Um, and most importantly, um, you know, remember social distancing, the stay at home order, respect that. We have until April 30th, if we continue to do a good job, we can enter in phase one and phase two and open it right. up. Um, And also be kind to yourself, Um, be kind to our children when, you know, they're going through so much right now. I have a fifth grader that is at home with two full-time working parents and, um, you know, be kind to our kids. Uh, It's a lot for all of us right now. So utilize that outside time to take care of yourself. Yeah. I would say two things in regard to that. So the PPE, one of the questions we get is, how big is your supply of PPE? And it's a really hard question to answer because if we get a surge, we're gonna be out of it very quickly. Like right now we're in a good place, but we're still reusing N95 masks five times for 12 hour shifts, um, storing them in paper bags and rotating them on days we work in expectation for that surge. So we're always still in need of those things. And I've been super impressed by the community out uh, outpouring support in that. And kind of another thing that our community is doing is we're having restaurants just show up with 20 pizzas for the hospital and wow. um, dinner from um, <laughs> Arlo's. Arlo's, yeah. <laughs> and, and that doesn't seem like much, but for our ancillary staff, our nurses, our custodians, our housekeepers, I mean, it really boosts morale. And when you're mm. seeing these terrible mass for 12 straight hours, like having a nice takeout meal um, is a big deal. So all those things have been um, super impressive. And 
kind of in um, what Aaron was saying about families is we're in the front line of this, so we see it directly. And I can understand families that are at home that aren't in the hospital, aren't in the medical field, that you can start, like everybody's getting antsy, um, start wondering, you know, is this real? There's there's thoughts out there, is, a, is, a, is this a hoax? I think one thing to just remember with everyone is to give each other some grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a great neighborhood where there's like six families and everybody comes from different social situations, different right. And one thing that we, I've learned in this is, yeah, my job's hard right now, but other people are going through their own hardships. And just because you have one thing that's going on doesn't mean someone else doesn't have something that's equally as tough or different. Sure. And we just yep. like all need to come together as a community. And yeah. and you can read anything you want in the paper mm-hmm. it's, if, if you want it to align with your opinion. Yeah. And, and so there's, I, that's another hard part about all this. So there's so much information out there Yeah. and the statistics are hard and they're really <laughs> easy to, they're really easy to jade. I mean, yep. we, we had months in med school and residency just to learn how to read a research paper. Mm-hmm. So they're easily skewed and the people just need to be really cognizant of, of those things and really kind of filter through numbers and what they read. Yeah, I I really agree with you uh, wholeheartedly uh, surrounding the concept of extending grace to one another. There is this um, really difficult place where our lack of understanding and our lack of knowledge and, and knowing what's happening and where things are really at, because there is a competition for uh, who's going to be most afraid <laughs> and what we're going to be most afraid of in this whole thing. Like every side is coming out with fear mongering to the hilt. So it's like, uh, you know, in the middle of that, we just need to have grace toward one another and just know, hey, wherever we're at, we're in it together and we need to um, just be uh, extra kind you know, and allow kindness to really uh, be our default setting, hopefully, uh, in this season, um, while we're adjusting to a new normal, you mm-hmm. know, and it's it's going to be difficult. So, um, Aaron, any thoughts on that? Needs at the hospital? Um, I think I shared what yeah what what we need, and um, and and thank our community for their continued support. Yeah. Now we see a lot of these, a lot of different thoughts and different perspectives. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, as I mentioned, our population is over 44,000 people. And, um, you know, right around 1,000 might be against it. But, you know, we really appreciate the majority. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's a, um, um, you know, if there's more opportunities coming up, if there's uh, specific needs that the hospital has, how do you get that information out? Where can people go to find, um, you know, information about what the needs are? Uh, if you guys have specific things that you're looking for, our website is a great resource. We okay. have a specific list of supplies that we're mm-hmm. always looking for and needing. Okay, and um, that's also, in the show notes below. Correct. Okay, so. and then um, follow us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We are putting out lots of information. Um, Dr. Good and Dr. Ben Good have done several radio shows. I saw that. Dr. Hurt, um, our lab. Uh, has done some radios. They'll do a walkthrough of what the testing looks like. We're posting those videos. Awesome. Uh, 
they're informational. It's good to know. It's good to know what your community hospital is doing for um, you. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. Um, any last thoughts as we kind of wrap up today on uh, COVID-19 outlook, what to expect, anything like that? We've already talked about a bunch, so. Uh, just remember, if you're still in need of services and you have an emergency, you're not feeling good, you have tightness in your chest, you have a cold, we still have Bonner General Immediate Care, and we also still have our emergency room department to see you for your emergency needs. Okay. Yeah, good. and I would say kind of um, that we tried really early to communicate with the public and the community about what we we're doing and being transparent having that open communication i think is really important uh, because kind of what aaron just said there are you know there are people that are going to think differently but i think us showing what we're doing in the lab um our plans moving forward and just like i said being really transparent about that i think is really important to keep the community um yeah. kind of on board with what we're doing and then keep us all on the same page that's good. That's good. Well, I want to say thank you for guys for coming on the show with me today. Uh, informative, helpful information. And hopefully um, uh, people, if you watch this, follow uh, Instagram, Facebook links are in um, the uh, show notes below, as well as the BonnerGeneral.org uh, website. Um, so Aaron, Thank you. It's nice to nice to chat with you today, and and Doctor Good, always a pleasure to pleasure to meet you, and good to talk to you. So, um, gals, have a great day. You Thanks as well. you as well. All right, talk to you later. Okay. Thank you for watching this episode of the Barner Breakdown. Special thanks to Ting and BCHA for sponsoring this show. For more shows or to be a guest, please visit BarnerBreakdown.com. Have a great day.